Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. What's killed the dinosaurs? The Mike Age! Wow. There you go. Yeah, it's Mike and Mike going to the movies. Hi, I'm Mike Smith, and uh, joining me as always is a man who never leaves the cave without the back credit card. Mike DiCrescio. How's your name, Mike? I'm doing just swell, and I want to say I think the back credit card joke is due for cultural reappraisal. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about it. Or I knew that was a thing, but I never remembered the context. And in the yes. movie, it's hilarious. Okay. So you're saying the actual like bit from the movie is due for cultural reappraisal, not the reaction to the back credit card on the internet is referring to appraisal. Correct. I think okay. the back credit card joke is actually great. Uh, okay. Yes. Fair enough. Well, I guess we'll get into it, you know? Uh, I think I think we're going to have to. So, uh, Mike, what has been going on in the life of you? Um, not it's a, a whole weirdly lot. Way, it's a weird way to say that question, but what's been going on in your life? Oh, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, not not much is not much new uh, has been happening in the Mike D life right now. We're kind of it feels like we're sort of on vacation because we're only doing one podcast for right now. You know? Yeah, it does feel kind of weird, but uh, kind of good at the same time. It feels more relaxed, more chill. For those of you who follow our other podcast, The Complete Works, uh, then you'll know that right now we are in the throes of what can only be described as a hectic brawl to the death. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Our poll to see who is going to be season three's subject of The Complete Works is live right now. So please, if you have not voted yet, go on Twitter and uh, submit your vote. You can choose between Jamie Lee Curtis, Winona Ryder, Natalie Portman, and Michelle Yeoh. And uh, it is a close race, man. It is pretty intense. I mean, we're, we're recording this on Monday. This episode will come out on Thursday. So the results could be wildly different by the time we get there. But the poll's open for a whole week. And it, it is a tight race at the moment. Yes, yes. And you can go vote at Goldblum Pod um, on Twitter. And yeah, I mean, when we first opened it up, it was like, you know, the first, you know, 10 votes or whatever were Jamie Lee Curtis. And we were like, ah, it's over. We did it. Um, <laughs> but now it's pretty tight. Michelle Yeoh currently on Monday has the lead, uh, but by only a few votes. And Winona Ryder is right there in third place behind Jamie Lee Curtis. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the Natalie Portman stands will, will show up eventually. Uh, but we got a whole week left, so we'll see what goes on. We do. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, stuff that happens throughout the week. It's actually, honestly, a relatively big week for many of the people in the poll because the uh, new Thor Love and Thunder trailer comes out this week, uh, which features Natalie Portman. Uh, Stranger Things, the new season, kicks off on Netflix this week, which big thing for an older writer right there. Yeah, That's, you yeah. know, There's some big stuff happening this week. Yeah, we accidentally backed into a very good week to be posting this poll. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, of course, we're still coming off like the glow of everything everywhere all at once, some Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis are getting a lot of love. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot going on this week on The Complete Works, and uh, we are excited to uh, dig into all of that. It's weird. There's a lot going on on The Complete Works this week without an actual podcast this week. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it, it's so nice to have a week where we only are doing one podcast episode. We decided to do it on two movies. <laughs> <laughs> because that's just the classic Mike and Mike style. 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's right. So today what we're doing, uh, you know, we kind of decided this last week, but a few weeks back, uh, we got a donation on our Kofi page uh, from a guy named Jake, uh, who's a friend of the podcast. He uh, donated a certain amount of money to the podcast that put us over our goal that we had kind of jokingly said in the podcast a few weeks earlier, that if we hit that amount of money, we would, I think, make Mike D buy the Snyder Cut in the 4K Blu-ray release. Is that right? It was the Snyderverse 4K Blu-ray pack. So right. all the movies. So it was Man uh, of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Can't remember if Wonder Woman is in there. I know he didn't direct Snyder. Snyder didn't direct that, but I can't remember right. what what like the box set specifically was. Uh, but that was the goal we had that Mike uh, Smith would cyber bully me into uh, having <laughs> Watching to watch interviewing all of the Snyderverse. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Movies, right? <laughs> Correct. Um, and then when Jake realized that that's what it was, he said, I will save you, Mike D. And uh, <laughs> I said, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I think he donated to the Govi page, not knowing that we threw that goal out there, put us over the top. And, uh, you know, we made that joke on Twitter, like, oh, man, I guess we got to do this. And then he said, no, why don't you guys do something fun like the Schumacher Batmans or something? <laughs> Yes. And and we were both like, yeah, you know what? Sure, let's do that because we've talked about the Snyder stuff a lot in the past anyway, and it's been forever since I had watched the Schumacher Batmans. I'm guessing it was the same for you, right, Mike? Yes, decades. <laughs> or a, a decade, I guess, probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and really the moral of the story is we can be bought, you know? So if you want us to watch a movie specifically... <laughs> Uh, Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike pods, uh, yes. plural, because we have two podcasts. We, we have now set a precedent that a certain amount of money will buy you a podcast episode. You can <laughs> let, make us watch anything. Correct. <laughs> that is how it works. But anyway, so today what we're doing is we're talking about Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, the two Batman movies directed by Joel Schumacher in the 90s. Uh, the movies that arguably killed Batman for a while, just in the public eye. I mean, there was no new Batman movies for like eight years as a result of that. Imagine eight years without a Batman movie happening. I <laughs> like can in the, almost in the modern blockbuster landscape. Can you imagine if there were eight years without somebody in a bat suit <laughs> I, I, or a superhero movie? I mean, I know X-Men and Spider-Man and all that stuff came out in between there. Sure. But, but like those kind of set the template for modern superhero movies. These are, these two movies are so distinctly pre Spider-Man, pre X-Men yes. movies um, <laughs> that it, they are wild. They are insane. Like, cultural artifacts of the mid to late 90s very much and uh we're going to talk about all that uh very soon uh but first gotta tell you that all the theme songs that you're going to hear this episode were created by kyle cullen who you can reach for your own theme songs at kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com and our logo was designed by mac v whose art you can find at fearless guard on twitter which by the way we have a new logo yeah baby big <laughs> things happening happening over here at mike yes, and mike pod absolutely there is a new logo which uh, should debut this week on twitter and it's going to be out there on your your podcast feeds and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, very excited about that. Thank you again to Mac V for making that logo for us. And again, Fearless Guard on Twitter is the place to go for more of Mac V's work. And if you ever want to contact us and if someone did in the show, uh, you can email us over at Mike Mike, go to the movies at gmail.com or tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. All right. So should we talk about these movies like one at a time, Mike? Or do you think we should just talk about them as like one big collective? I don't know. I guess I they, they definitely feel like as one one piece. Uh, but I guess it kind of makes sense to go one movie at a time. I, don't, I, th I, don't, I think one movie at a time might be the move because there is like, I think, a distinct difference between the two of them. Ooh. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about them. In the, we'll talk about that, of course. But uh, all right. So let's begin with the first one. It's time to talk 1995's Batman Forever. Riddle me this, riddle me that. 
who's afraid of the big black bat? In an uncertain world, in a chaotic time, justice wears a mask. to make a pretty lethal combination. Train me, let me be your partner. Who's your tailor? But first, let's meet our contestants. Going down. If the back wants to play, we'll play. <laughs> Was that over the top? That was in the trailer for Batman Forever, uh, the 1995 movie directed by Joel Schumacher, starring Val Kilmer as Batman, Chris O'Donnell, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, Michael Goof, Pat Hingle, and Drew Barrymore popping up in this movie in a weirdly small role for this point in Drew Barrymore's career. Yeah. Uh, like the next year she was in Scream, which again, like a small role, but like a role that's like playing on the idea that like, oh, this is Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it's weird that the year before she was like henchman number two for like the main villain in Batman Forever. <laughs> I love that their characters name are Sugar and Spice. For the yes. other girlfriend. Very fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so Batman Forever. This is a movie that I had seen, obviously. I mean, I've seen all these movies before, these Batman movies. And uh, I used to watch the Schumacher Batmans, not often as a kid, but uh, Batman and Robin especially became like a movie that me and my high school and college buddies would rag on a lot and joke about and like watch a lot as like a goof, like a Mystery Science Theater 3000, like make fun of the movie kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but to the degree where we watched it so often that it became a movie that we liked, you know, <laughs> you looped back around. <laughs> we kind of looped back around and we were like genuinely sincere in our love for Batman and Robin while knowing that it was trash kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and rewatching them this weekend, uh, I will say Batman Forever was like a slightly revelatory experience, I think. <laughs> Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say it was like, you know, when I rewatched The Matrix Reloaded, I was like, this movie fucking rocks. And with Batman Forever, I was like, you know what? There's a lot to like in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely agree in the the quality distinction there. Like, I was able to watch Batman Forever all the way through in one sitting. And when I was watching Batman and Robin, I was like an hour and 10 minutes in. And I was like, I think I'm going to go make a make some lunch, take yes. a little break. Uh, and came back and finished it a few hours later. Not that Batman Forever is great, <laughs> um, but I was able to watch it all in one go. Bat- Batman Forever is a more watchable movie, I think. Uh, and I think there's a few reasons for that. And, I, you know, I mentioned before, there's like one key distinction between Forever and Batman and Robin, other than the fact that like two different actors are playing Batman uh, <laughs> in these movies. Yes. But I think the key thing here is that, okay, so the original Batman series, which if you're counting that from 89 onward, those first two, Batman and Batman Returns, those are Tim Burton movies. Right. Tim Burton leaves after Batman Returns, but... He's still a producer on Batman Forever, and he's still somewhat involved. He's not like super hands on with this movie. Um, I believe he's busy making Mars attacks around this time. Mm. Uh, And then he's also working on his own Superman movie around the same time, too. Uh, The infamous Nicolas Cage Superman movie, Superman Lives, which never actually got made, uh, which we we talked about at length on the Complete Works a few years back. Um, But Tim Burton was working on that, but he was still kind of involved with Batman Forever as a producer on this. Meanwhile, Joel Schumacher comes in as director and brings in his own style that is more heavily influenced on the 60s TV show starring Adam West. That's like the kind of his big draw that he's taken from. So Batman Forever kind of feels like a mashup of those two styles, the Tim Burton style and the Joel Schumacher style. And then Batman and Robin is just full on Schumacher. And Uh, I think there is a distinction. And I think what Schumacher is doing in these movies, which has largely been ragged on for many, many years, and I think has somewhat seen like cult reappraisal over the last couple of years because of how distinctive and weird it is. I I do think a lot of it is fun, but I think Batman and Robin just has no cohesion to it. Uh, Where Batman Forever has like a story and like characters and like thematic elements that it's working through. Like, it's it's fairly basic stuff, but at least Batman Forever has this kind of idea about the duality between Bruce Wayne and Batman, and it's using Two-Face to reflect that, you mm-hmm. know? I think yeah. that is actually, like, something that I was able to grab onto in this movie and be like, this is pretty cool that it was able to do this. And then Batman and Robin is just fucking nonsense the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no arc in that movie, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. There's one thing, so I haven't seen these movies, like I said, in a decade, uh, and I haven't seen the Tim Burton ones in just as long. Right. So I, I don't really know, I can't really tell the arc between all four movies, um, but I was kind of shocked at how gothic, obviously, uh, these movies are, like Gotham is everything is a thousand feet tall. Uh, it's like, remember, would you ever watch Gargoyles as a kid, that cartoon? Of course, yeah. Uh, that it's like the castle on top of the skyscraper, like above the clouds. It's that aesthetic, but for four movies, I think. Um, like, it's just like that. Everything is a giant statue of a person holding up the building that they're actually in. Like, what? This weird art deco thing that's got they got going on. So that's the one thing that really stood out to me in these movies is it's like if like set design or, or like the concept of art direction is a character in the movie. Uh, everything is so, <laughs> is so intensely designed, which is awesome compared to a lot of stuff now where it's just, it's the world, um, you know, real life, which I get, but watching these movies too, uh, it's like, I understand why we swung so hard in the other direction. <laughs> Like, you know, it's this is Batman and Robin, but like Bane in full full Bane, right? But in a fedora and trench coat as a disguise is at one point, chef's kiss hilarious. 
But at the other point, just so fucking goofy. Uh, yes. Like you're one step below Groucho glasses with the mustache uh, <laughs> as a disguise that it makes total sense while watching these. You're like, ah, of course we had to go to the gritty realism of Christopher Nolan. <laughs> the world must- wasn't ready for this. <laughs> yeah, that and I think people were just probably done but with it. I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the 90s in terms of what those were like for comic book movies, really for the longest time. I mean, you had the original Superman run with Christopher Reeve in the 70s and 80s, right? Right. And then you had the Batman movies. And Batman 1989, the Tim Burton Batman, one of the biggest movies ever made. It was huge, like one of the biggest hits ever. Turned Michael Keaton into a huge star who was already kind of big through Beetlejuice and Mr. Mom and stuff. Uh, Turned Tim Burton into a huge director. Batman Returns, big hit, very divisive. Uh, Mm. It's the best one. It's great. Love it. Uh, wow. As always, the most divisive one is the best one. Correct. <laughs> That's just my general rule for everything now because it tends to be true. And then, you know, Batman Returns uh, was kind of seen as a movie that was like too dark for kids. Uh, and so when they were making the sequel, which was Batman Forever, the studio wanted to go in a more kid-friendly direction. And they swung in a much deeper huh. direction with Batman Forever, uh, with hiring Joel Schumacher and doing this much more colorful kind of aesthetic with it. But, you know, you think about the other comic book movies that were coming out around that time. You know, I think the other big one in 1997 when Batman and Robin came out was Steel, uh, which (laughs) is the Shaquille O'Neal movie. (laughs) Okay. You know, and you get that one. I believe The Phantom was out in 96 with Billy Zane, right? Mm -hmm. You had Spawn is in there somewhere, right? Spawn is in there somewhere. Dick Tracy was in the early 90s, which that movie kind of rules. You know, there's a lot of movies like that. Like there's, you know, they didn't take the lesson of like, oh, we should adapt the really popular superheroes. We, they took the lesson from like Batman success as being like, let's adapt all those like 1930s and 40s pulp novels. The kids love them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and that was kind of what was being made for a while. And then the year after Batman and Robin comes out, Blade comes out. And that movie is a pretty good hit. It's rated R. uh, So it's still very different from what like the modern superhero movie kind of ends up being. But, you know, that movie kind of signals a path forward for comic book movies (laughs) after Batman and Robin, like almost single handedly kills them all. (laughs) That's crazy. And yeah, with Batman Forever, I think I think one of the crazy things, too, is it has the credit for like Rick Baker as the like special effects guy. Yeah. Uh, and everybody looks all the all the like monster or not monsters like henchmen and Two Face. You know, obviously Two Face looks amazing. Tommy Lee Jones looks so good in this, and everything feels very practical to that effect. Uh, and then in in Batman and Robin, a lot more CGI stuff starts happening. There's a lot more like there is flying through the air and and that whole scene at the beginning with the spaceship in Batman and Robin, which is wild. But yeah, in in Batman Forever. It just starts right away with the with like the 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 fact that Two Face like robs pulls the like safe or whatever out of the building and he's robbing the bank, all that stuff. And when Batman saves saves it saves the day, the safe swings right back into the exact same hole into the exact same spot. (laughs) And and I'm pretty sure it's accompanied by like a slide whistle. (laughs) I was like. Oh, okay. This is this is the kind of movie we're dealing with. Uh, yes, and it's pretty fun for the most part. It's got a lot of that, those gags and stuff like that uh, throughout it. That I was like, you know what? This is actually okay. I'm enjoying this. You know, the, the best thing I could say about Batman Forever, specifically Forever, is that it really feels like picking up a comic from the '60s or '70s and just like opening it 
and jumping into a random Batman adventure. Right. <laughs> you yes. know, like there's no there's no attempt. There is like a little brief attempt at giving an origin for Two-Face. Like you see like on the newscast, like, oh, this is what happened to Two-Face and this is how he became Two-Face. But that's like, you know, a 30 second bit. Like Two-Face yeah. is already Two-Face when this movie starts, you know, and he's already causing mischief. He's fought Batman before, even though we've never seen that happen, you know, and that kind of thing. And I, I like the way the movie just kind of throws you into this world because it's weird. It, it sort of takes place in continuity with the two Tim Burton Batman movies, uh, yeah. you know, despite the fact that, you know, it's a different actor playing Batman uh, and it's a different director and like Gotham looks different. Um, but at the same time, it's still uh, Michael Goo and Pat Hingle as Alfred and Commissioner Gordon. It's the same actors. Uh, they do reference Catwoman at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Nicole Kidman like mentioned has like a sly reference to like, oh, are you more into black latex and whips or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, so there is like a slight continuity with those movies. But at the same time, you absolutely do not need to watch those movies in order to understand what's going on in Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it's, I- and it would probably actively help you if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually one of the things I wanted to ask about because I can't, I don't, like I've said before, I haven't seen these in a long time and these kind of just all blend into one movie in my head as like a ch- in my childhood, uh, all four of these movies, the Batman movies. But like, yeah, it's, there's the line, I think in that scene where, where Batman says like, oh, he's robbing Gotham's second bank on the second anniversary of the second time I caught him, uh, which is fun for Two-Face. Yes. But I was like, is he in the other, like, does he catch him in the end of one of the other Batman movies? I couldn't remember if Two-Face is in that. Yeah, well, um, that's also the thing. Harvey Dent is in Tim Burton's Batman played by Billy D. Williams. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Billy D. Williams plays Rocks. Harvey Dent in Tim Burton's Batman. The idea was eventually he would like do Two Face in a movie, and then you know they never did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it became Tommy Lee Jones in this movie instead. But uh, yeah, so just a weird thing. Yeah, like it's just he's just Two Face now. <laughs> yeah, he's just Two Face now, and that that's the one thing too between these two movies that they feel uh, so connected, and and it kind of makes me like long for the era of movies where like you can just recast a guy like it doesn't ma- like it doesn't change like it doesn't have to be a whole thing I, I, that's what I was thinking like I was thinking like when Val Kilmer was Batman in this movie and then the next movie the, the next day I watched one and it took place right after and like it's it's definitely a sequel Chris O'Donnell's still playing Robin yeah um, but like now it's George Clooney as Batman and I thought to myself like man if this happened today there would have to be like three movies that like explained and how yes. he changed into <laughs> George Clooney that's exactly what I was thinking we'd have to do some kind of flashpoint or a no way home situation or whatever it is to get to where we are there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The only time that happened, obviously, is with uh, Bruce Banner, you know, with Edward Norton right. and uh, Mark guy, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, which, they, they, yeah, MCU did it a couple of times, actually, with, uh, I mean, but earlier in their run, because they did that with right. Hulk. They did that with uh, War Machine also. They did that with Terrence That's Howard right. became Don Cheadle, right? And then I think one of Thor's buddies became, uh, or I think it was like Joshua Dallas became Zachary Levi or something who played Fandral in the Thor movies, but like yeah. nobody, nobody knows who that character is. Uh, he dies in Thor three, if you recall. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, without a line of dialogue, if I recall correctly <laughs> they too. all die, but yeah, no, like there's, that happened a few times early in, in the MCU. Now I don't think they would do that. I think they're so deeply connected to their own continuity, uh, that at this point they would have to like come up with some kind of reason why, like it would have to be some kind of alternate universe version of that character and that's why that character looks like this now and that kind of thing yeah yeah and it's just so seamless in this movie or between these two movies where like the literally the only character that changes is is val kilmer to george clooney yep and that's it and we just keep moving and you're like wow <laughs> what a simpler time that was yes um, which uh, you know, to be fair props to uh you know a movie that i did not like at all but fantastic piece three did recast johnny depp with maz mickelson 
and there's no explanation for it. Like zero. And I kind of, I, I did appreciate that about that movie. Bad movie in general, but Mads Mikkelsen was an improvement at least. Uh, and they didn't try to explain it by any, by any chance. So, there you, you know, go. I think more movies should just add Mads Mikkelsen at some point. Also true. Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> should play Batman. I'm in. I'm in 100%. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't really know uh, specifically what to talk about though. For, for, I, I will say the titling. Doesn't make sense. Batman Forever feels like a pretty, pretty ultimate, uh, like a final title in a franchise, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, really, really, this one should be the one that's called Batman and Robin because yeah. he, this is the one where he gets Robin, where yeah. Robin joins the team. <laughs> exactly. Robin shows up in Batman Forever and then is just already there in Batman and Ro- I don't know. Really right, weird. yeah. And then in Batman and Robin, uh, on, you're right, because actually I think Batman Forever will be a more fitting title for the movie that is Batman and Robin um, because that movie brings in Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. And so it's kind of like, oh, it's the Bat family kind of thing now. So like Batman forever. It's an ongoing thing now. Like, yeah, no, that that totally makes more sense. Uh, you know? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Strange. <laughs> Weird how that works. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and there was supposed to be, I mean, Batman and Robin, uh, you know, I, we're supposed to be talking about forever now, but Batman and Robin um, was supposed to lead into a fifth movie. There was supposed to be another Batman movie after that movie, but because Batman and Robin tanked so hard, you know, didn't happen. Like it didn't, mm. didn't make money. And then obviously it was critically reviled. Nobody liked it, but they were going to make a movie that I believe was called, uh, I want to say Batman triumphant, uh, or something along those lines, but that would have had scarecrow as the villain, which would have been Coolio who is in Batman and Robin. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Coolio the motorcycle pi- gambler yeah. guy. <laughs> yes. He would have been revealed to be scarecrow. And that would have been the main villain of the next Batman movie after this. They also would have done a Harley Quinn thing. They were planning on bringing Harley Quinn into the fold and they were going to try to have Jack Nicholson return like as, as Joker in a flashback. But in this version, I think Harley Quinn is supposed to be the Joker's daughter or something. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, at, the, at, the, at that point, Harley Quinn had only been a character for like four years. Like she right. had only existed like because of the cartoon. <laughs> Okay. So I think they were just like free to do whatever they wanted with uh, with that. I mean, these movies had so much kind of creative freedom to just kind of do whatever they wanted with these characters. (laughs) And it really shows that they're just doing whatever the fuck. Um, Yes. And it and it's crazy too how much of this these movies uh, are sets and not obviously green screen. uh, But like they're driving down a tunnel out of the Batcave, and like it looks like they really built a a bat cave somewhere or like a really long tunnel, which right now that wouldn't probably happen. I don't know. It's just like the really weird, uh, like hyper specific moments where you're like, they built this giant ballroom, (laughs) you know, and filled it with 500 people. Uh, which really, you know, if you if you stop and think about it, why do people keep going to galas in Gotham? Like every <laughs> single one of them, the skylight gets smashed in by henchmen and they're all held hostage. Just stop. Stop having gatherings, rich people. You Dude, know, it's a good point. You make a good point. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's 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 wild how much of these movies feel real, uh, you know, or like our sets are practical, whatever it might be, because so much of the modern day superhero landscape none of it feels real <laughs> at yes. all yeah absolutely yeah i i think it, it's so kind of crazy to watch these movies and just kind of see everybody walking around physical sets and like the abs and it's not even just their physical sets it's the absurdity of the physical sets i feel yes. like just how crazy everything looks all the time especially in batman forever i think i mean we talked about this uh, a little bit through text but uh, i think you said something like if, if art direction was a character batman forever would be the movie in which that character ex- existed yes. <laughs> yeah every everything is like swirling spotlights and black lights uh and just cavernous 
buildings and streets and alleys. And yeah. like, uh, this movie legit looks pretty incredible. <laughs> it's wild. It's so cool. Everything I assume is miniatures. It's just fucking awesome. It looks really cool like that. And man, what, what a picture, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, and we should talk about Joel Schumacher, too. Um, who Joel Schumacher, of course, I, th- I think got a lot of flack for directing these movies. Mm. Uh, and uh, I, you know, <laughs> for a long time, I was like one of those ones who was like, oh, yeah, Joel Schumacher. He's a bad director because he made Batman and Robin. Uh, and you look at his filmography. He's got some good movies in there. He did The Lost Boys, did uh, St. Elmo's Fire, the original Flatliners and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he got kind of tied into making Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Uh, and I think a lot of the pushback against these two movies, I mean, you know, obviously these were a lot campier than the Batman movies that had come before and audiences were kind of getting sick of that style and were ready for something different, I guess. Um, but I think a lot of the pushback against Schumacher's involvement with the Batman series uh, was due to a latent kind of homophobia within the culture and mm. that kind of thing, which Joel Schumacher famously out director and Batman Forever, maybe the gayest superhero movie that has ever existed. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, one of those things where, like, you know, I would watch Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and, like, I would say, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, gay subtext in here that, like, I read about. And, like, watching it now, I'm like, this isn't subtext. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is straight text. <laughs> yeah. How, how Actually, it's gay text, Mike. Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> good <laughs> Got, <point>. him. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of nuts. And I remember, I think it was um, uh, Patrick Williams did a video uh, a while back um, making the case for uh, Batman movies to try to do Robin again, you know, because they, they've avoided the character of Robin for a really long time. But since Batman and Robin came out, um, there's there's never been Bat- like they Dark Knight Rises kind of hinted at doing Robin with like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. But they didn't actually do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think with with Schumacher's take on Robin, you know, normally Robin is like, you know, a young kid who like Bruce adopts. And in this, like Schumacher ages him up. So he's like closer to Bruce Wayne's actual age. And he's just like this hot guy living in Bruce Wayne's house. And like there is a se- specifically in Batman Forever, there's a real like sexual tension between Val Kilmer and Chris O'Donnell and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's just so much of that there in this movie. Uh, and then in Batman and Robin, you have Uma Thurman dressing as if she's like in a drag show and that kind of thing. There's like yeah. all, all this stuff in these two movies that is just kind of really fascinating to watch uh, from that perspective. And so I think, you know, Schumacher really got to inject a lot of his own personality and style into these movies. Uh, and I think that is something to be applauded now. Like I think for a long time, like that was seen as a negative. And I think looking back on it, it's like, oh, no, in hindsight, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing we were sort of talking about with, uh, you know, Sam Raimi in, in the Doctor Strange movie. Sure. Like, you know, somebody with like an artistic direction, like a, a, a singular vision for their thing. And they got to put it, you know, Schumacher got to put it in the big temple Batman movie. Uh, Sam Raimi got to put it in a little bit in or that, a lot of it in the last act <laughs> in the right. strange movie. But yeah, it's like you don't really we don't Hollywood doesn't allow people with unique visions to make the temple movies anymore, really. Uh, yeah, not as much for sure. Not as much. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I guess I never really thought about that, that with the like decision to age up Robin to make him like twinkable age. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just this like absolutely shredded acrobat gymnast guy living in a mansion with a dude. No big deal. They were just, they were roommates, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the the movie also like makes an effort, like it shows Bruce in straight relationships as well. Uh, which, by the way, uh, Batman Forever, Nicole Kidman, one of the hottest people to ever be in a movie. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just like, a, <laughs> like avert your eyes, kind of beautiful. Like right. I can't, I can't even perceive you right now. Um, yeah, out of control. 
Yes, yeah, Doctor Chase Meridian. Uh, she plays in Batman Forever, and uh, she's she's incredible in it. Um, you know, she she is just a really fun foil for Val Kilmer, who I think is also very good in the movie. Actually, I really liked Val Kilmer as Batman, which I feel like when I watch Bat, like last time I watched Batman Forever, I must have been like at least in high school, maybe junior high, and I think at the time I didn't like I I, I had you know, was internet conscious enough to know the Schumacher Batmans weren't liked, Mm -hmm. uh, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, Val Kilmer, he wasn't a great Batman, whatever. Um, But I think he actually does a pretty good job of like balancing Batman and Bruce Wayne. And, you know, I think he is into the campiness aspect of it. Like he's, he's pretty locked into it. Uh, I I think George Clooney is pretty bad in Batman and Robin. I think he's like very miscast. Um, But Val Kilmer, I think is having a lot of fun. Like there's that moment where he's like solving the riddle with Alfred and he's like figuring out and like, he's like kind of, just getting there, like it, minute by minute, he's like, ah, oh, Mister E, Mister E, Nigma, Edward Nigma, Mister E, Edward, Nig-. like he just <laughs> like yeah. gets through that, and it just really feels like Adam West, like doing his old thing again, and it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, maybe this made me uh, Batman Forever made me think of Top Secret a lot, which is never a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, correct. Particularly the scene where he goes to Dr. Meridian's office uh, and she's like with the punching bag, you know, and he thinks she's being attacked because he hears her from the hallway and he runs through the door uh, and then he's like apologizing while slowly putting the door back up. And I was just like, this is like hilarious, like amazing physical, like delivery, (laughs) physical comedy (laughs) bit that made me think of something like in uh, Top Secret. And yeah, I think I think Val Kilmer has the comedic like dryness, whatever kind of thing that George Clooney just feels so wooden with every one-liner delivery just like completely flat yeah i I think george clooney makes sense uh for casting bruce wayne you know on on paper he makes sense i guess um but maybe maybe it was just like that time in his career whatever it was i mean this is 97 george clooney he had like just left er i think like Mm -hmm. he is you know pretty major star i think or maybe he was still on er he like uh something along those lines but that was like he was in his er phase and uh you know had made from dust till dawn like the year before that like that's the George Clooney that was making movies at that time. And I feel like, you know, he's an okay enough Bruce Wayne, I guess. But once he's in the suit, like he changes nothing about himself. Like there's no, there's like, there's no change to the demeanor of Batman from Bruce Wayne. And so it just sounds like George Clooney talking with a mask on. Yeah. (laughs) And whereas Val Kilmer has just like, uh, maybe it's because George Clooney has such a distinctive voice and he doesn't do anything to change it. Maybe that might be part of it. Um, But Val Kilmer at least feels like, you know, kind of like, I think with Batman, you need somebody who feels like sort of two different people. Like, one as Bruce Wayne and one as Batman. And I think some are more successful at that than others. Like I think Christian Bale, an incredible Bruce Wayne, like probably my favorite Bruce Wayne is Christian Bale. Um, but as Batman, you know, he does, he overdoes it a little bit with the, the gravelly voice and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and, stuff. Yeah. and then with uh, the new Batman, Robin Pattinson, he's a great Batman. Like, and he's Batman for like 90% of that movie. But whenever he's Bruce Wayne, it's like, oh, he's like the mopey emo Bruce Wayne. I'm not as into that. Uh, so, <laughs> he's you know, Trent so, Reznor Bruce Wayne. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think Val Kilmer does a pretty good job of balancing both of those. Yeah, yeah, and I think Val Kilmer up against Tommy Lee Jones in the wackiest I've ever seen him. He's really going for it in this movie. Yeah, big, like, big, big time on 11. And Jim Carrey, is, I think, is actually pretty great as the Riddler. I really yes. enjoyed them together. Uh, watching this, I was thinking to myself, like, man, I wish they had uh, put the Riddler in an Elton John costume for uh, the Batman 2022, you know? Oh, my <laughs> like, God. There's the moment towards the, like, the Riddler is wearing, like, a sequin sparkling jumpsuit with the Elton John glasses at the end. Yeah. <laughs> It's incredible. It's wild. Uh, And this is like Jim Carrey at the height of like 
Jim Carrey also. Because mm-hmm. um, the year before that, Jim Carrey had an amazing 1994 where he broke out in a big way and it was Dumb and Dumber. I think it was it was Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura all came out at the same time. Like all, wow. all within the same year, uh, which are like the big three Jim Carrey movies. Yeah. And then and so as a result, he gets cast in Batman Forever and, uh, you know, commands a pretty large salary, I think. And then Ace Ventura 2 comes out the same year also. But yeah, Jim Carrey is at the height of his like mugging over the top craziness going on, which, uh, yeah, he's he's great as the Riddler, I think. I, I think he gets exhausting after a while. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, by the time you get to like the back half of the movie, I, I was I was kind of, I felt like Tommy Lee Jones behind the scenes of Batman Forever, that famous uh, line that he said to Jim Carrey once where he says, I do not sanction your buffoonery. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard heard that before, but uh, that is something that Tommy Lee Jones said to Jim Carrey behind the scenes of this movie. And by the back half, I got it, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're like, I understand. But yeah, the scene the scene towards the beginning when he's still just Edward uh, Nigma, when he puts the, like, helmet thing on for the first time with, you know, Complete Works friend of the pod, Ed Bagley Jr. Uh, I didn't realize that was Ed Bagley Jr. until I, read, I, saw, I saw the credits afterwards. And I was like, what? How could you not recognize friend of the pod? Um <laughs> But yeah, when he does that for the first time and he's like zapping his brainwaves and he's doing like the game show host thing and the whole, all that, uh, I was like, man, I get it. I get, I get the appeal of Jim Carrey right, right now. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, like it goes on for another hour and you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> I, like I, he's just I, on I get, 11 the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think him, him and t- uh, Tommy Lee Jones together is a very fun, you know, straight man wacky guy pairing uh so it's very fun yeah i would say wacky and wackier guy pairing i guess is true <laughs> true how it would go <laughs> what he's what tommy lee jones is doing in this movie is like i said this something i've never seen him do before so that's very fun <laughs> yeah. absolutely it's weird to think like this was like two years after the fugitive came out yeah you know and it's two years before men in black came out it's like right in the middle with with tommy lee jones right there in the 90s When's when's U.S. Marshals come out? It's probably, uh, that's that's ninety eight. That's the year after Men in Black. Oh wow, it's that late. I didn't realize that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't really know what else to talk about for for Batman Forever. Yeah, well, I mean, it introduces uh, Chris O'Donnell as as Dick Grayson slash Robin, uh, yes. a vertical limit fame. We should of say, of course, who could forget? Pre- previously covered on this podcast from Mike makes Mike watch, which uh, you know, this movie depicts the origin of Robin and uh, shows the whole Dick, the flying Graysons in the circus kind of thing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which it, it never really like properly explains why Bruce is the one that adopts him after that. I guess because Bruce is involved in the uh, the circus thing and he feels guilty about it. Yeah, that's kind of what I got. He didn't he didn't like give himself up which I was kind of shocked. He does He does stand up and yell, I'm Batman in the middle of that crowd, but nobody hears him because of all the chaos. Right. Uh, I was like, damn, like he's ready to reveal himself to save these true. These, these people, right? To save the whole the whole big top. But yeah, I guess he feels kind of at fault that he wasn't fast enough to save everybody. So all the, all the people died. <laughs> all the Graysons died. Yes, that is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, but I, did, I did enjoy their relationship in the movie. And I think, uh, you know, there's some fun, just goofy bits. I like the uh, the callback to the 60s show where he says like, oh, holy rusted metal, Batman. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's like, what? He's like, oh, you know, the metal, it's rusted. It's, it's full of holes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's funny. It's good stuff. And yeah, I think uh, also just another bit that reminded me of Top Secret. I think there's a moment where uh, Batman and Nicole Kidman are about to have sex and it pans over to a fireplace. Yes. 
And I was like, yeah, top secret. Top secret. <laughs> that might be a deliberate reference. It might be. Yeah. And I also really liked how just absolutely like bug nuts the way Robin gets into the Batcave for the first time. Like, because he knows <laughs> that like he can't get through that locked door in time. So he like right. Errol Flynn's his way across the room on a chandelier and a, and a, like a tapestry and like a slides down a banister and all this shit. Yep. Uh, and ends up sliding all the way through down the staircase to the secret door in the silver closet or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Yes, definitely. Uh, so yeah, enjoyed that. Uh, also, as a quick note about uh, Nicole Kidman in this movie, watching her in this and, uh, you know, her relationship with Val Kilmer and, you know, like she's on her own level of crazy in this movie that I also really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like I've been like really appreciating Nicole Kidman's level of crazy in movies recently. Maybe it's because of The Northman, which she is truly incredible in. Yes. And I was thinking to myself at watching Batman Forever, I was like, man, it's too bad that we already picked our finalists for the complete works because Nicole Kidman would have been a really good one. <laughs> She would have been. We would have had to absolutely cover the AMC. Uh. Oh, the, we'd have to do a whole three-hour episode on the uh, the AMC. Uh. Yes. The uh, yes. But anyway, somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like Batman Forever. Uh, <laughs> and now I think we should move on and talk about the other Joel Schumacher Batman movie. And that, of course, is Batman and Robin. My name is Freeze. Learn it well, for it's the chilling sound of your doom. This is the way the world could end. Please, show some mercy. With ice. With a kiss. Mm. With venom. I probably should have mentioned this. I'm poison. Poison ivy. And the only man who can stop them. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Can't do it alone. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Bundle up, boys. There's a storm coming. Kill the heroes! The hockey team from hell! Cool party! Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, everyone, chill. George Clooney. I'm not the marrying kind. I know you've had your wild nights. Good night. Wild doesn't doesn't quite cover it. Chris O'Donnell. Come join me. My garden needs tending. She loves me and not you, and it's driving you crazy. This is why Superman works alone. Uma Thurman. So many people to kill. So little time. Alicia Silverstone. And you are? Batgirl. That's not awfully PC. What about that person? Found the Batcave. She knows who we are. Guess we'll just have to kill her. In a Joel Schumacher film. Strength and courage. Partners. Honor. Partners. And loyalty. Freedom and justice. Partners. It all comes together. We're going to need a bigger cave. Batman and Robin.
That was in the trailer for Batman and Robin, of course, directed by Joel Schumacher from 1997, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone, Elle McPherson, Vivica A. Fox, Michael Goo, and Pat Hingle, and more. So yeah, this is a direct sequel to Batman Forever, but of course, Val Kilmer, not in the movie anymore. He was a one and done, and then George Clooney came in, uh, but does not get top billing, despite the fact that he is playing Batman. Uh, If you look at the poster for this movie, or if you watch the opening credits of this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger's name is the one that comes up first. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he was a big get. You know, he, True. he was a big it was a big deal that they were getting Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Mr. Freeze, you know, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. George Clooney at this point less proven as a movie star, but still just nuts that Batman did not get top billing in the Batman movie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah, this is I think the one that I was the most familiar with or between the two like i didn't necessarily remember a lot of batman forever while i was watching it but i remembered most of like the stuff you know images and things like that from batman and robin the most while i was watching it i think weirdly i think batman forever is a better movie and one that i had a better time watching i think partially because i didn't remember as much of it batman and robin is a movie that despite the fact that everyone hated it, has left a larger cultural footprint, partially because of the fact that everyone hated it, I think, yeah, at the time. Yeah. Like, if it became a movie that, you know, made the rounds on the internet. You know, it's, you know, you see compilations of the craziest moments from Batman and Robin all the time. And, you know, the, the uh, I mean, just the, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger ice puns alone mm-hmm. can, can get you, like, a 10-minute video on YouTube. <laughs> like, that can was, easily happen. I was really not prepared for all, literally all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's dialogue to be ice puns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. Like, it's actually, like, maybe there's a couple of ones that aren't, but that are other, other jokes or whatever. It's It's got to be, like, 95% of his dialogue in this movie, which is pretty insane. And uh, we should mention, I mean, this movie directed by Joel Schumacher, also written by Akiva Goldsman, uh, who developed the story for Batman Forever, um, but actually wrote Batman and Robin. Uh, and Akiva Goldsman, generally not... Uh, attached to a lot of really good projects. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, you look, if you look at his uh, writing credits, I mean, he did he did win an Oscar for A Beautiful Mind in 2001. He wrote that. Wow, what a turn. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Other credits include Lost in Space, the 98 movie, mm-hmm. uh, I, Robot, the Will Smith movie, The Da Vinci Code, I Am Legend, Angels and Demons, Winter's Tale from 2014, uh, which he directed, actually, Rings, the uh, the Ring reboot, I think, from 2017, which exists. Uh, the James uh, Cameron strategy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Transformers 5, uh, The Dark Tower, he, uh, he wrote that movie. And I believe now, currently, is working on Star Trek Picard, uh, which... I feel like I've heard pretty mixed things about. I don't know. I mean, there might be like lingering affection for (laughs) Patrick Stewart as Picard, which is powering that show. I'm not exactly sure, but I've heard the writing's not great. Um, Point is, Akiva Goldsman, generally speaking, uh, not associated with a lot of great projects. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty wild. That was like, that that rundown was slightly more positive things than I would expect. Um, A little bit, yes. You know? But yeah, the writing in this is, is at equal measures like, a thing to behold because it is incredible that they were able to write that many ice puns. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, truly no, no movie probably has more ice puns than Batman and Robin. Correct. But on the other hand, uh, what are we doing here? You know, <laughs> right. I mean, that, that was the thing watching Batman and Robin alone in my house. I was thinking to myself like, man, this movie does not play as well without like five of your friends and a bunch of beers. You know, it's just, yeah. it does not play the same way. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Uma Thurman's amazing in it. Um, I had a lot of fun with her, her character. Um, yes. But yeah, overall, like I said, I had to pause it 
like and just take a break, do some laundry, <laughs> eat some lunch, <laughs> come back a couple hours later. But yeah, I, I I will also too point out the the makeup and effects and stuff like that in this because it does look amazing. Like every you know Arnold Schwarzenegger being in the blue paint with the blue lights and like all that stuff looks incredible. Uh, when you know today it would just be a green suit with the little dots and stuff, you know. Yes. And all the big sets. It's the same thing, and and the the kind of uh, like coherence in art set design and art direction, all that stuff between the two movies is was like pretty remarkable. I was kind of shocked. Like wow, holy shit! <laughs> like yes. these. These people had a vision and they stuck to it and it's and it's here. Uh, it's just that everything else around that is not so great. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to hear some of the other uh, character uh, actors who are potentially going to be up for Mr. Freeze? Oh, for Mr. Freeze? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, for Mr. Freeze, they ended up going Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Ed Harris was considered Whoa. for the role. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, also considered for Mr. Freeze, and Patrick Stewart, considered. Wow. All three, I think, would have delivered a very different performance than what Schwarzenegger <laughs> ends up giving yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty, it is pretty impressive, too, like, sort of the way that Schwarzenegger is actually able to really sell the, like, psychotic commitment to curing his wife's whatever syndrome, I forget what, McGregor syndrome or whatever. Right, yes. Um, uh, the psychotic part, I would definitely agree with, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, like, in this movie, though i don't know it's it's it's, it's within, within the world this movie sets up like yes like everything that he's doing makes sense because nothing in this movie makes sense no, correct yeah but i but i mean like he actually i actually believe that that version of dr freeze or whatever would be this insane um i don't know like i'm thinking about like ed harris like it's just the general or whatever he plays in in the rock in the rock <laughs> it's the exact same performance but just about this uh right it's very funny um, yes absolutely i mean I, I think if if there were a more like I was, I was i was watching batman and robin and i was watching arms Schwarzenegger's mr freeze which is a performance that i've you know seen many many times over the course of my life yes <laughs> you know and i've quoted many times one of the things about batman and robin it's a very quotable movie specifically with the ice puns you know and oh, yeah. all all that kind of stuff Great. You know, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Let's kick some ice. Cool party. You know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Great. Love it. So, so good. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, but I was thinking to myself, like, you know, we, we have so many versions of Batman now and we haven't tried to do Mr. Freeze again. And I really think that's one that, like, could benefit from, like, doing a new version of. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, you know, we have this new uh, Robert Pattinson Batman and we j- we just did a new Riddler, um, which was the first time we had done that since Jim Carrey. And this was obviously a much different take on it. This was the Zodiac Killer. And I think we could now do like the version of Mr. Freeze that you kind of see in like the Batman animated series, or the video games. Right. Because I feel like Mr. Freeze in general, like there's actual like pathos to some of the stuff that is happens with him in the comics and stuff and you know everything going on with his wife like it, ju- it just feels like there is like a lot of untapped potential in that character and i i feel like we are due for like a really good mr freeze at some point and i think I, and if you look at those actors i think if this was a different kind of movie any of those actors could have done that version of mr freeze yeah absolutely i think i think a like we gotta we gotta move away from the joker please <laughs> like, <laughs> and that was my problem with the riddler in the batman it was just it's too similar to the joker i think yeah yeah i i enjoyed the riddler in in the new batman i enjoyed the like zodiac david fincher thing they were doing sure uh but yeah if they're gonna also do the joker what's the point it's the, <laughs> like those two characters are the same in that movie yes um so yeah, I'd be down to see like just some like weird fucked up Mr. Freeze or Scarecrow again or whatever uh, in that movie 
or in that whatever world they're creating. There. Right. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I think we're like, even more than that. I think we're more due for a version of Batman that's closer to Batman Forever than than there is in the Batman. You know, yes. and I and I think we said this when we reviewed the Batman back in March. You know, we've had so many dark Batmans over the last like fifteen years. Like the pendulum has to swing the other way at some point. Like I'm not saying it has to go into full Batman and Robin territory, but I think a Batman Forever territory could work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Batman. Uh, the suit is still like the kind of traditional Batman suit that you might think of, although I guess with all the muscles and shit on it in both movies, of course, the infamous nipple suits. Um, Yes, which is actually in both. And I feel like the nipples are like mostly attributed to Batman and Robin. Absolutely. You know, but but they're there in Batman forever. They got you got them right there. Also, more butt shots than you've ever seen in any superhero movie. I was just going to say that, Um, which like, you know, this movie, Batman and Robin, I think it's this one. There's a lot of like butt close-ups in the like uh, putting the gear together yeah, for any, the job. Anytime characters are putting costumes on, you got to see their butt in those t- in those pants. You got yeah. you got to see it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like this movie is like stop. Like I assume they they filmed it and edited it out. Uh, but like one of them pulling a wedgie out in those shots. Like it, this movie stops just shy of that <laughs> happening, uh, which is very funny. And yeah, there's also like the weird boob shot when Alicia Silverstone puts on the Batgirl right. costume. Uh, but like. Yeah, sure. I guess I don't know. You know, it's it's it, this is the this rewatch made me realize of Batman and Robin at least, and also Batman Forever too. Like how goofy and self aware they are of these movies. There's a lot of yes. times where they like the score directly references the like ni- the, the the TV show theme and like that whole thing. And uh, you know, we're like one step short of like a pow popping up when somebody gets punched. Right. So like that's why I wanted to talk about the bat credit card joke because yes. All I know culturally remember before this rewatch is like there is a back credit card and how dumb is that? And I can't believe that's a thing. And yeah, like, which that, that became a thing on the internet because the nostalgic critic, he did like a yeah. uh, Batman and Robin review early on in his critical career, quote unquote. And you know that it became like a thing, him shouting about the back credit card. And that mm-hmm. just kind of like became like, you know, common thing. It was like, Oh, the back credit card is dumb. Right. Right, it's dumb, and it's like that's why this movie's bad. But like in context, that was fucking hilarious because they're they're <laughs> under the like love potion effect or whatever the pheromone thing effect of uh, poison ivy, and they're like at a date auction for a charity, and they're like Batman and Robin are bidding each other up, like you know, oh, a thousand million dollars, six million, whatever, blah blah, back and forth. And Robin says like, you don't have that kind of money, and then Batman's like. Whoosh! It's like bat credit card. He's like, I never leave home without it. That's <laughs> fucking hilarious. That was so funny. I don't like. I didn't know what I expected, but it's not like used in a serious way in the movie. Like it's no, a yeah. joke. <laughs> like, but the way the internet talks about it, you think it's like a serious moment that, like, oh look how dumb they this movie was. They wrote a bat credit card into it, <laughs> right? Which which I think is part of like the uh, the brain poison of the internet is that there is this kind of contingent, definitely a series of fans that feel like you know, if for Batman to be good, it needs to be very serious and very dark. Right. right. And that is sort of the idea, uh, which I think is why so like there is a contingent of people who love the Zack Snyder movies. Right. Because those movies are very dark and very self-serious and like have no self-awareness like at yeah. all, it seems. And they are like the polar opposite of what's going on in Batman and Robin. But like that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I, you know, I like I like some of the serious Batman stuff, too, but there is so much room for other interpretations of it. And I feel like since Batman and Robin completely failed that just hasn't really been the case on on film, at least uh, since then, with the exception of the Lego Batman movie, uh, which yes. is a delight and everybody should watch. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, this, these movies, watching these movies made me want to go back and watch the Burton ones. Because I kind of, like I said, these kind of all blended together and I don't really remember what's what from each movie. Yeah. And I never really had a desire necessarily to go back and watch them because I kind of assumed they were all like Batman and Robin, I think. You know, just really? in my memory. Yeah, or like Batman Forever, I guess, which is fine. Where it was just kind of like, yeah, okay. We've evolved as a society beyond the need for a <laughs> wacky Batman. Um, but like, maybe we shouldn't have. So I kind of want to go back and watch those two Bat- Burton movies and see if they strike the balance between the the Adam West stuff and the Christian Bale stuff. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the Bur- the Burton one was definitely, a, it's definitely like, it's not as dark as some of the Christian Bale stuff. I mean, the Christian Bale movies, the Christopher Nolan movies, uh, like those were meant to be like the real world, quote unquote, right? right? Like those were supposed to be like, like Gotham was literally like Chicago in the Dark Knight, right? Yeah, like that was which is <laughs> bullshit. It's always New York. Yeah, <laughs> which fair enough. Uh, yeah. I think they mentioned the Palisades in the Dark Knight too, so I think it's still supposed to take place like in New York. It's just uh, definitely Chicago, though. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's just Chicago. But uh, yeah, like the the Nolan movies are supposed to be just like an, an actual city that has a guy dressed as a bat in it, and it's, they're supposed to be like heist movies kind of thing and crime movies. Whereas the Burton movies are definitely more a stylized uh, style thing. It's a Tim Burton kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Tim Burton famously like has said like yeah I never really read any Batman comics you know I don't really like like the character all that much you know I just signed on and did this movie and was doing my own thing and you know it was a Batman thing yeah <laughs> and that and in 1989 that was fine if a director said that now uh, they would be crucified on the internet for years yes <laughs> you know which is uh, crazy yes uh, kind of nuts I, th- I think Sam Raimi did say something like uh, he hadn't watched a ton of the MCU movies before signing on to do Doctor Strange two or something yeah uh, I which, saw yeah good for him. <laughs> yeah, the statement, I think it was a thing about like, yeah, I watched the like relevant WandaVision episodes I needed to watch uh, and like <laughs> the one what if episode kind of thing. And I think, yeah, fuck it. Who can Like, just make whatever movie you want to make, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is which was a lot easier to do when everything was like less super connected to a big universe kind of thing. But yeah, the Tim Burton ones, uh, you know, they they were meant to be like an answer to the uh, the old series because the old series at that point was seen as like pretty campy, pretty silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim Burton's was seen as like the darker, more serious take uh, on Batman. Um, but if you watch those movies now, we've seen so many darker versions of it. Like they seem like a little bit campier as a result. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we watched a Zodiac mur- serial killer movie, um, right? You know, <laughs> um, but you know, where's the ice, the uh, ice hockey villain team? You know, we, where where's the sequence where your lead villain leads his henchmen in a sing along of "I'm Mr. White Christmas, I'm Mr. Snow"? You know, where Cor- where <laughs> where is that in modern cinema? <laughs> I want to know where's the the <laughs> the henchmen's hideout is a snowy place called Snowy's Ice Cream Parlor uh, or Ice Cream Factory or whatever. And he's Mr. Freeze and nobody figures it out. <laughs> and and Vivica A. Fox is there for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I was pretty wild. I was pretty shocked to see like her name in the opening credits and she's in 30 seconds of this movie or whatever. Yes, and she gets her own couple of Freeze puns too. And she's like, you know, Mr. Freeze's assistant who has a hot for Mr. Freeze. And uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's like, leave me alone. And she's like, talk about your cold shoulder. And she walks away. Yeah. Oh, man. What is with these movies and having supermodels as the, like, girlfriend for 10 seconds? Uh, (laughs) Very weird. Yeah. Elle McPherson also in this movie, too, uh, dating uh, George Clooney uh, in it. Yeah. Uh, So there's that also. Uh, Dr. Chase Meridian, no longer a character in this movie, which is a bummer. Yeah. She's dead to Bruce Wayne. Um, (laughs) But this is a different Bruce Wayne, I guess. It's the multiverse of Batman. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. I loved, uh, to the, like, you know, the whole thing with poison Ivy, uh, with the pheromones and like making everybody fight over her and stuff. And I did, I think you pointed out recently, I don't remember where, what you would have been talking about, uh, but like the commissioner Gordon in these movies is just like a fucking idiot. He's just like a bumbling <laughs> loser. And now in all the movies, he's like the coolest, hardest cop that's ever existed. Uh, right. Yeah. And yeah. And there's the one scene where, where poison Ivy like gets him to, give her the key to the bat signal or whatever. And he's just like a lovesick puppy. It's very funny. (laughs) Yeah. It's also the scene in Batman forever where like Nicole Kidman hijacks the bat signal and commissioner Gordon, like I think he comes out in like his pajamas and he's like, what's going on out here? I saw the signal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which made me think of the scene in the Batman, uh, where uh, Selena Kyle or whatever, like lights the signal to talk to Batman on the roof. Uh, but it's like they do it here in this movie and it's, it's Dr. Chase Meridian, you know? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, otherwise, uh, in Batman and Robin, we should talk about uh, Alicia Silverstone popping up in this as well, um, yes. who plays uh, Barbara Wilson slash Batgirl in the movie, uh, who she goes to live with her uncle. Her uncle is Alfred. And then she discovers, of course, that, uh, you know, they're Batman and Robin. How could she not figure it out? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. don't hide it super well. Not at all, actually. Is it this movie or uh, there's a really funny Alfred joke? where I don't remember if he's like saying he'll quit or he's been fired like as a goof, you know, and he's like, well, I guess maybe they'll take me back at Buckingham Palace. Um, I think I think that's Batman and Robin. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was very that was funny. Love that guy is Alfred. Um, yeah, he was pretty good. I liked him, too. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Um, but yeah, Alicia Silverstone is fine in this. I don't really think she gets a ton to do, even though she becomes bad girl. Yeah. I, I mean, I think she's kind of weak in this, but I don't think it's her fault. I think it's she's just given a lot of like nonsense to say, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and especially in that back half but there, there's that moment in like the last like 20 minutes um where they're like kind of figuring out like their plan for how to figure it and like they're just like shouting dialogue at each other back and forth like the three of them just like going not shouting but just like being like like they have to like connect the satellites to do this and connect yeah. like they have to like go like explain everything like in intimate detail and at the end of it they're like okay break and they all go and do things and it goes so quickly and like i didn't catch any of it yes. <laughs> i said no yeah. idea what was going on Basically, yeah, something with the 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 satellites and the mirrors and the telescope and the freeze ray, but the sun, I don't know. Right. Yeah, and that stuff is what I was talking about where it's like all of that just becomes weird CGI D- darkly lit and late 90s CGI mess where we're right. like shooting, it does not it does not look good. Yeah, we're shooting beams at buildings, I think. And that stuff's all a hot mess. And yeah, there's like also the weird like anti-political correctness joke in the movie where she's like, I'm Batgirl. And he's like, well, what about Batwoman? And she's like, oh, shut up, Bruce. Um, I don't know. It was really weird. I was like, what is this movie? This feels like a joke from 2022. <laughs> Stuck into this movie from 1997. Um, yeah, I don't know. When she becomes Batman, it, Bat, or when she becomes Batgirl, it's like, okay, sure, I guess. We're just three, three people in muscly latex suits yes flipping around you know there's also like a little bit of a sort of flirtation between her and robin uh throughout the movie too which robin's role in batman and robin is just to like be horny at all times it's basically what what he's doing right this this (laughs) actually batman and robin it's one you know credit is that it might be the horniest movie of all time (laughs) (laughs) i might give the edge to batman forever but batman and robin is definitely up there yeah there's just a lot of a lot of horn going on, you know. Yeah, um, I think you get honestly. I think you get that in all of the uh, the old Batman movies. I think I think Batman Returns, especially the the relationship between Bruce and Selina in that movie, it's, yeah. it's off the charts, man. It's so good. Which uh, you got to rewatch, but it's great. But also, you know what? We do get a fucking cool black light motorcycle race. <laughs> 
Um, sure. Yeah. Led by Coolio, right? Or he's the guy. He doesn't. Lead, he's not in the race, but he's there. He's like he's, running the race, right? He's the ludicrous. Uh, he's the Tej of the Batman Forever <laughs> yeah. verse. In, in an alternate universe, Batman and Robin is the movie that launched a you know, Fast Five style, <laughs> and Coolio has been in six of these. I'm in. Good for Coolio, you know? Um, yeah, he's the guy collecting all the money. But yeah, that was that was one of those things, that scene, where I was just like, this is the most 90s thing ever, which also is very funny. The, like, the, if you stop and think about that whole race for half a second, because like the bridge they're racing across is destroyed. <laughs> so like, what was everybody else going to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't get, like, the guy, the henchman, or the dude has his henchman, like, throw the Molotov cocktails, so Robin and Bat- and Barbara, like, fall and slide, and they almost slide off the bridge, but they get saved, you know, he catches themselves. But, like, what, where's, what's everybody, where's everybody else going? The bridge is blown up. Right. <laughs> Doesn't make any Like, sense. what was their plan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I also do. I also do think it's interesting too watching these two movies because obviously this is before there was like you know shared universes and movies and things like that, or at least in superhero movies. Kevin Smith was doing his thing with the US universe, but that only kind of counts. Yeah, but uh, there are references to other DC things, specifically Superman. Yeah, uh, a couple of times, like I think in Batman Forever they mention like you know Dick Grayson's going to go off to Metropolis after he's done here or something, and mm-hmm. uh, and then in this movie he's like, this is why Superman works alone after Robin's like, chicks dig the car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the horny character. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's interesting. Like, I, I think back on that and I think back on like, you know, people like comic book nerds or whatever watching these movies in theaters and like how those lines were kind of meant to be like, oh my God, they reference Superman. Like they exist in the same world as Superman, but like never had to follow through on any of that. Like they never had to like do anything to, to build yeah. on those things. They were just like kind of quick hidden references for the fans, like in Spider-Man two. And they mentioned Dr. Strange as like a potential name for Doc Ock kind of thing. Right. And it's just weird to think of like if, if they did that now, there would be like, I mean, they do that now all the time, but like, and when they do, it's like an article that comes out the next day, be like a listicle of the 50 things you may have missed in the bat in the Batman, and like the references to other DC things and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I saw, yeah, I saw, um, I forget who it was on Twitter. Somebody talking about that. We like, remember when Easter eggs were like a Leaf Skywalker action figure in the background of a shot? And right. not the entire focus of a plot. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, pretty much. Like, like you remember that scene in in I think you talked about it in uh, Uncharted when what's his name Nathan? No. Uh, the the actual guy who plays Nathan Drake. Um, yeah, damn it's it. gone. I, I, I anyway. know that Nolan North. Nolan, Nolan North. North. There we go. And Nolan North shows up, and you said it was just a theater full of dudes leaning over to their girlfriends to explain. <laughs> like, is that what would happen when Batman would be like, "Oh, you'll be halfway to Metropolis by now"? Yeah. Like. <laughs> It's Maybe, just, but at least with, with the Uncharted scene, that movie like stops dead to show you Nolan yeah. North is in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, but that was all I could think about when that, that line happened, specifically in Batman Forever, uh, where he says that, like, whatever, when they mention Metropolis and not Superman. Um, right. Just feel like nerdy guys in this in the in the 90s leaning over to their girlfriends. But that's where Superman's from. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It's it's it must have been nuts to exist in a world where you can do stuff like that, where you just like have a little throw away line of dialogue that's for fun and not gonna spawn a spin-off series and right. like have the post credit scene and all that shit. Yeah, there's a there's a um, a Twitter account called Insane Letterboxed Reviews, I think. I forget. Have you ever seen that? Yep. Uh Lebertoxed, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and they just had a tweet today that was like a gif of Jesse Pinkman screaming and it was like, you know, movie moviegoers when men doesn't end with a post credit scene connecting it to the Northman and Hereditary. Uh, <laughs> 
And really, that's all I could think about now all the time. Every time I watch a movie, it's like, do I need to stay and watch the end of this? Oh, no, this movie is from 30 years ago. That didn't used to happen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that didn't used to happen. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there you, I mean, that's that's what we can say about Batman and Robin. It, despite the fact that it's not a very good movie, it is still a pretty fun time to watch it, um, specifically if you have a lot of friends who are like down to just drink and watch Batman and Robin and joke about it. Um, yes. But also it's a relic of a time in which you didn't have to do that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely got a lot of stuff going for it. Like particularly the scene too, where, where that, that evil scientist like makes Bane. His, his line reading when he uh, tries to kill Poison Ivy uh, and he's, and he's like, it's like, oh, you've learned too much. I'm afraid you'll have to die. Yeah. And he like, tosses <laughs> her over the ledge. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> So good. Yeah, yeah. When he call, when he's like the uh, members of the ununited nations or whatever, and it's like vaguely racist that they're all like Middle Eastern. Um, right. But but yeah, and I don't know, just all that is so bonkers and shit. Remember when movies, basically, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, Mike. Remember when movies. Any other favorite uh, Mr. Freeze puns that you want to throw out there before we wrap this up, Mike? Uh, Mr. Freeze puns. Uh, I don't remember. I can't think of any. I think the, the my favorite is probably the What Killed the Dinosaurs, the Ice Age. Because I mean, that is a classic. Because it's so out of fucking nowhere. Like, you're in the middle of a fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they're, they're at the uh, the Gotham Museum. Yes, uh, yes. And there's a, like, giant dinosaur that's there, which Batman slides down the uh, the, the yeah. back of it uh, when he comes in. And then, like, a giant brawl between Mr. Freeze and his henchmen, who are all on ice skates, uh, are, atta- oh. <laughs> are attacking Batman and Robin. <laughs> I love the scene, the moment in that where uh, Batman and Robin like slip and fall down next to each other and they like click their heels and like bat skates come out of their boots. Uh, <laughs> and then it's just like, just a big hockey, like slap shot style. <laughs> like Absolutely. Hockey brawl. Yeah. And this movie tells you not to take it seriously, like pretty immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, I always liked, uh, <laughs> I think there's a moment where he like freezes somebody's pipes and he says, always winterize your pipes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is pretty good. Uh, my passion thaws for my bride alone is also a good one. Yeah, hey, Mr. Freeze, he's, he's a delight. Yeah, it's good stuff, you know? Absolutely. Otherwise, that's Batman and Robin, I think. I mean, I think we've we've pretty much covered it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's... I, I didn't enjoy it as much as Batman Forever, even though it was the one that I had probably, I guess, have seen the most. I don't yeah, really, no, really true, know. Uh, like, Batman and Robin, I'd seen a bunch of times. Batman Forever, I had probably seen, like, two or three times when I was much younger. So watching Batman Forever, like, like I said, I'm not going to say it was a revelatory experience, but at the same time, I like I think I realized that I liked it. Like, act, like actually, yeah. I think Batman Forever is good. Actually, Batman and Robin I think is bad, but like fun to watch. Batman, Batman Forever, I will like give it props for. I think there is some fun stuff to be had in Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So thanks, Jake, for making us watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We I think we definitely had more fun watching these than we would have if we had to watch the Snyder movies again. <laughs> uh, confirmed. <laughs> Without having. To do any of that homework, confirmed. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so I think that is going to be the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Uh, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, and if you'd like to donate to support the show and to make us watch a movie, you can do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. Plural, because we have two podcasts. Yes, indeed. And you can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to you. Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That is my decree show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books, movie news, and all that good stuff. Next week, 
We are traveling on the highway to the danger zone. We're talking Top Gun Maverick, baby. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Ah, I can't wait. Uh, the hype is real. I hear incredible things. I'm seeing it in IMAX. Uh, nice. and I can't wait. Going to be so good. And the trailer for Mission Impossible 7 just came out today, which I know it leaked over the weekend and I missed it when it leaked. I like found yes. out later uh, and I was very upset about it. But then I watched the trailer when it came out today and man, Mission Impossible 7 looks dope. I assume that'll be attached to Top Guns. So I'll be able to watch that in the IMAX theater. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I just watched uh, Top Gun again uh, this past weekend and man, what a picture, you know, Tony Scott, Tony Scott film. <laughs> best thing you can see in a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very excited for Top Gun. And I didn't didn't think I ever would be, you know, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I also rewatched the first Top Gun recently and it's pretty I still think it's pretty good. It's not my favorite Tony Scott. It's not my favorite Tom Cruise movie by any means, but I, I enjoy it. And I also just enjoy that. Like it plays the same two songs over and over again. But only like different verses at a time, which is yes. very funny. It's really great. And yeah, I, I also like that. It's just about like dudes going to flight school like there's not too much more at stake no <laughs> what if that's what if dudes rocked was the, <laughs> was the plot of that movie uh and they rock i guess they, they um, certainly rocked in top gun and uh will probably continue to rock in top gun maverick uh which i saw like a scene from when i went to go see dr strange oh uh, which I think it was Doctor Strange. Yeah, I, I think it was right before I saw Doctor Strange. I saw, I saw Doctor Strange in IMAX, and they showed a scene from Top Gun that utilized the IMAX cameras, uh, mm. and it looked incredible. <laughs> <laughs> looked so good. So, uh, yeah, very excited to uh, talk Top Gun Maverick next week. In the meantime, voting is now live for The Complete Works Season 3, so you can head to at Pod on Twitter. Vote for who we should cover on the next season of the show. We need as many votes as possible to make an informed decision on this podcast. Yes, yeah, I'm excited to uh, see what the people want us to do. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah, once again, the finalists, Jamie Lee Curtis, Winona Ryder, Natalie Portman, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, you have the power to make us choose any of those people. Uh, so get cracking. At Goldblum Pod is where you can go to vote. It's pinned right there on the top of the page. Yes, I like that uh, you pointed out, which do you want us to cover? Black Swan or Everything Everywhere All at Once? Exactly. <laughs> also, I think Natalie Portman and Winona Ryder both have cameos in Zoolander. So there's a, there's a <laughs> 50% chance we're talking Zoolander on the podcast. <laughs> Let's go, baby. All right. And that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>